Welcome to Restaurant Influencers presented by Entrepreneur. My name is Sean Walchef, founder of Cali Barbecue Media. In life, in the restaurant business, and in the new creator economy, we learn through lessons and stories. We're grateful to Toast, our primary technology partner and sponsor of the show, for allowing us the opportunity to share stories of the hospitality industry all over the globe. Today, we have a very special guest, Greg Majewski of Crave Worthy Brands, the CEO. Thank you for being on the show. Thanks for having me. I'm glad we were able to get this in. Finally, 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 in real life. Uh, we're going to start with my favorite random question, which is where in the world is your favorite stadium, stage, or venue? So got to go Wrigley Field um, as my favorite stadium by a close second to Rupp Arena. Um, but again, Wrigley growing up, going to a baseball game with my dad, um, remembering that. And then Rupp because that's where I went to school. And Kentucky is the only basketball team that anyone should ever care about. <laughs> Fair enough. So we're going to talk to uh, Toast. We're going to talk to Restaurant 365. We're here at the Restaurant Transformation Festival in Austin, which has been absolutely incredible. They have 500 leaders. What we care about on this show, why we do what we do, is that we want to connect with the greatest hospitality minds on the earth as well as the greatest storytellers. Uh, I want you to go. We're going to pretend like this show is in Wrigley Field. And I want you to tell me what happened in the conversation between you and Dave from Wendy's. So I was very, very lucky and stupid to get into the restaurant industry right out of school. And I got promoted in a job that nobody my age ever should have had. And I walked out of IFA one night after a session and there sits this man. And he says, Greg, do you have a minute for me? And I looked at him knowing who he was and my mouth sort of fell down. I said, of course, Mr. Thomas, I have a minute for you. He goes, well, let's go have a cup of coffee. And he took me down and said, hey, I know you're in a tough position. I know you've sort of been thrown to the wolves, but I'd like to mentor you. And I looked That's at him amazing. and I, and I looked at him and I did not know what to say. And he, he came in and first thing he said, he goes, but if you do this, you've got to promise me down the line, you do this for everybody else. And I go, okay, no problem. I not at that point. I didn't think I'd ever be in the restaurant industry for 26 years. So, <laughs> okay. <laughs> and, you know, and then he told me the story that back in the day, they all did these things and the old timers all got together and they all helped each other and they all were very, very vocal with each other, giving each other advice. And it was the best thing that they did because nobody understood the problems they were going through except each other because there's only so many CEOs and there's only so many presidents of restaurant companies. And he goes, make them your best friend because one day you're going to have a question. You're not going to know how to do something and you're going to need somebody else to tell you what, when, what they did to fix that problem. And he goes, and do it for everybody. And then he made the comment, except Ray Kroc. <laughs> and the founder of McDonald's. <laughs> and again, for the Come next on. two and a half years, he called me every other week to check in on me and give me advice. No and payments. No payments, no nothing. Just He called you. He called me. You didn't even call him. Mm -mm. Was, do you have any stories or any lessons that he, he taught you along it was, the way? It was always about, he always stressed hospitality and he always stressed that, hey, you got to have the best food and the best product and you've got to do it different than everybody else. Um, and you've got to be real and you got to build a culture. And that's exactly what we always talked about day in and day out. Those were the things that he beat into me. And it was no different than what Jimmy talked about too. Jimmy said it just a little differently. 
I say it a little differently than both of them, but the restaurant industry is so easy. If you do the basics, which is be hospital, serve great food, take care of your customers, have a culture where your team thrives, and then execute. And if you can do those things, any restaurant can be successful. The problem is, is that we all miss certain points of that at certain times. Yeah, not every, you're going to fail because you have a bad location and this and that. Doesn't mean the brand's bad, but you can overcome all of that if you put all the pieces together. I mean, look at your story. Look what you've had to do. Barbecue media company. <laughs> right. But I mean, there's things that come out of it that can lead to greatness for everybody. Yeah, I heard on a podcast, Tim Ferriss was interviewing Danny Meyer, and he said what they teach at, at Union Square Hospitality is ABCD. Always be collecting the dots so that you can always be connecting the dots. Mm -hmm. And if you don't go and do things like participate in this or mentor someone, I mean, it's funny, the mentor-mentee relationship, because sometimes when you mentor someone, you actually learn more than, than the actual mentee. Like I'm sure Dave probably learned more by working with you. Oh, I'm sure he laughed his butt off at me. <laughs> I mean, I was 22. I mean, there's so many mistakes but that how I made. Many, but he picked you. He, you you got to give yourself a little bit of credit. Yeah, he picked me. He picked you. He mm -hmm. could have picked any other executive up and comer. He, there was something in you that he saw and he believed in. Yeah, I was crazy enough to take the job. You were crazy enough to take the job. <laughs> and I mean, I, I loved what we did and I was passionate. And I knew that the only way I was going to compete with everybody else in this industry was if I outworked them. Yeah. So, I mean, I was a hustler. We worked hard. And I mean, there was nothing that we didn't do or would do. I mean, hey, when I got the opportunity to learn ops at Jimmy John's, Bob Norman, who was the GM of the restaurant, was training me. And we played a game. He, We worked night shift because that's when he worked. His store was busy at the night and he had to work night shift. Night shift at Jimmy John's ended about 4 a.m. And so we got there at 5 like we were supposed to. The next day we would get there at 4.30. The next day at four, because I wanted to beat them and show that I was better. <laughs> by the end Come of the on. by the end of training, we were going back to the hotel. I was showering. I was going back, sleeping in my car, and putting the key in the door with them at seven o'clock in the morning to bake bread and work open to close because I wanted to prove that a financial guy could run a restaurant and that they needed to believe in me and follow me and do the things that we did. And at the end of training, he looked at me and he said, "I'll do whatever you ask." You kept up with me, you know. But it was because we did something stupid. Worked open to close. Yes. You know, but if you don't ever work open to close in the restaurant industry, you've never worked in the restaurant industry. 100%. 100%. It's funny. I, I'm fortunate that because of this crazy show and all the content that we've done, I interviewed Nick Hardwick, who is the Pro Bowl Center for the San Diego Chargers. And he told me a similar story of how Philip Rivers and Eric Weddle would push him. So Philip Rivers, the quarterback for the Chargers, but they would always figure out who was going to get there earlier. You know, and it's something about that consistent, persistent pursuit of your potential. When you think about working hard, is that in your DNA or did you learn it from someone? I learned it from my dad. Um, my dad was a self-made entrepreneur, did a job shop. And I remember growing up that he wasn't home and then he would come home then for dinner, eat dinner with us and then go back to work. And that would be the only time that hmm. I saw him. And I didn't have him coaching baseball. I didn't have him doing those type of things until I was older. And then he coached my first team, you know, when I was in a sophomore in high school or something like that. Really? But I never got that. And then I looked at my brother and sister and he was always there. And it was just a different point of different, his life that he was able to. But he worked harder than everybody else, didn't go to college, built a company and is now considered one of the biggest job shops in America. Um, but he did that from outworking everybody. Didn't have the degree, didn't have any of that, just put his butt on the line. 
and said, I'm going to make it happen. Had the machines in our garage when he first started. And we have pictures of him out in the garage milling on a CNC machine, you know, a little bench press doing a side job in the garage. And I mean, those things have been engraved in me since then. And I just realized that if I wanted to do it, I had to work harder. I'm not the smartest person, nor should I be. But I know that I believe in people. I work harder than anyone and I'll do anything that's necessary to make it happen. No matter how hard I try, how hard I fail, how hard it hurts, we're not going to give up until we get to the results that we need. And if I can do that, then my team can do that. And then they believe that they can do it. And it just sort of installs a culture that you don't give up. You don't say no. And you drive that result every day, no matter what it takes. Bring us back to the Jimmy John story back when you were young. Bring us back to where you started and what you were able to build. And what was the key to that growth? The key to the growth was truly, well, let's start back. I mean, so I had no clue what Jimmy John's was. No idea. And I was on my way to go to Arthur Anderson International Tax Forensic Accounting. I was one of two hires that were hired for the job. And wow. the way they did the interview was you got put in a room and you had to find the fraud. And you had to if find you, the fraud. You had to find the fraud. And if you found the fraud, you moved on to the interview. And if you didn't, you were out. Three people that year found the fraud. I was one of three out of I don't know how many. And I was one of two hires. And, you know, it was great going. Didn't want to do anything. This was going to be it. Cakewalk. From there, I could take any job with any company I wanted. And they'd go say, take the semester off. What? I had to pay for school. I had to work to put myself through school. It's all I knew how to do. Mm. I sent my resume out and my guy by the name of Jimmy called me. No clue who he was. Hey, this is Where'd Jimmy. Where'd you send your resume out to? I just gave it to a couple of people and they gave it okay. out and some somehow he got it. No it was clue. the old indeed? Uh-huh. Basically, <laughs> you know, handed to everybody. And no clue how he got it. And he called and said, hey, I'd like to talk to you about a job. And I'm like, okay, great. Listen, yeah, huh? no clue. Hey, I'm Jimmy John. Uh, who? Yeah. And he looked and he goes, Jimmy John, you know, Jimmy John's. I have no clue what you're talking about. Yeah. You know, no idea. I'm like, all right, I'll talk. And we then talked and sort of hit it off. And he offered me an internship. And at that time, he had 30 restaurants when I started as an intern. Um, we hit it off over the course of the first three months of the internship. Not even, it was like, eight weeks. He then offered me a controller job and I took in and told Arthur Anderson no, which was a great decision because yeah, everyone knows what happened to them. Um, and after that, uh, eight weeks later, our operators all left. That's when I drove to Lafayette, became then CFO and then COO, then CEO and sort of got from that point on. And I mean, it was just, it was an incredible ride and was in the right space at the right time is what I always tell myself. And then I'd look back and I go, I must have done something right to have him trust me enough with the keys to his company like he did. And sure enough, we did and we did great. And it was funny, you asked about how, what had the growth is that because of my accounting background, we created a ad and Jimmy always wanted to brag about how great he was. <laughs> and so we came up with an ad that put our AUVs out and then put our food costs and put our labor. And we took a full page ad in Nation's Restaurant News because actually back then, you know, everybody was still reading that thing. <laughs> and after we did that, all of a sudden, sales started hitting. And because we were bolder, we knew we could kick the crap out of Subway's numbers and everyone else's numbers because our numbers are so good. Um, they actually 
from what I heard, and again, from lawyers, after we did that, they changed the requirements for that. For, for the ad? For the earnings claim. Oh, really? And so the next couple of years, I being what I did with the forensic accounting, found a way around it so we continue to publish it. <laughs> yes. So, and we continue to grow. That's amazing. And the attorneys looked at us, go, you can't say that. Nope, just disclose it. It says clearly, all you got to do is disclose. So all we put was our corporate stores. Yeah. That's all we put in the ad was our corporate sales. And we kicked the crap out of our franchisees at that point. And we put those sales and those results and we drove those numbers and they were huge. I mean, we went up, we started at 600 and when I left, we were doing over $900,000 in AUVs of a sub shop. That's unbelievable. I think the courage to post something, I mean, we always talk about building in public, sharing your secrets, the brands that have the human integrity to tell the story, but on the financial side, it's, it's the antithesis of what anyone would do, right? Yeah, because I mean, it's typically like, oh, we have to vet you before we give you any numbers. Yeah. I mean, because we as franchisors, we don't want to get our butt sued. Yes. And but what we all have to remember is that we're asking people to invest in us. Correct. And so if you're going to be a franchisor and you're afraid to disclose your numbers or be proud of what you do, then you shouldn't be the franchisor at that point. You know, and not all stores are going to do good. That's a given. These people are coming to you and giving you their investment. And they're most of the time when you get started, they're lifelong savings to go and buy themselves a better life. And so it's your job to make sure they're successful. And so many times franchisors forget that. And it's always about me, 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 me as the franchisor when it's really about them, 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 and they're your customer. And how you make them better is by making them more successful. Jimmy John's, we sold the one store people. And we made them a promise because they couldn't afford to buy multi-unit check because yeah. they were not. We won't sell anyone around you. You'll have first right. Prove to us that you're a great operator. Hmm. You can buy another store. These people worked their butts off yeah. and drank the Kool-Aid and became culture phenomenon and drove. And then all of a sudden, these people are coming back and saying, I want another store. I want another store. I want another store. And we started growing, but we believed in these smaller individuals that are now multi-unit guys Amazing. that are, you know, they're multi multi-millionaires because we gave them that opportunity back then to grow that way. And people forget that's what franchising was about. Franchising was never about selling to some PE group that's going to buy a mm -hmm. hundred restaurants and just worry about the numbers. There's no love in that. Yeah. Anyone can go, if you've got that kind of money, anyone can go buy a hundred restaurants. You know, it's the American dream of putting them out there and letting them grow and making themselves better. That's what franchising was created for. And that's been forgotten right now. And it, it pains me when I see a group being sold. And it's great when the group has built up from scratch and they're getting sold for stupid money. Mm -hmm. God bless them. You know, but when PE groups are now building and building and building and you can't get franchises unless you want to buy 10, 20 stores, mm -hmm. it, that's not the American dream. That's not what it was about. And so we're, we're doing it the way I always have done it. And we're going to grow in the smaller rates and tell, with smaller Tell people. us about what the vision is for Craveworthy. So, How, where, did it come, where did it come from? So Craveworthy sort of started after doing all this and consulting for everybody in the industry and sort of bouncing around, just not wanting to work for anyone after the Jimmy John's experience. Um, I decided and saw that these emerging brands and these legacy brands couldn't afford to compete anymore. And so it's real hard to go after the Rorks and the Inspires and the Yums of today, focus and so on down the line because you can't get the talent that you need. So all these emerging brands sort of flounder. Yeah, every once in a while you'll see someone shoot up and do huge, 
but it wasn't happening with the regularity that it was back before or even back before me. Mm-hmm. And what was missing was that you were making the same mistake and people were afraid to gamble because you could go down here or a Rourke or an Inspire or somebody would go and create their own brand or buy a brand and they sort of bring it in so you couldn't compete because they had all the money. Mm-hmm. I wanted to create a platform that allowed these emerging brands that level of talent and that they can come in and compete against these bigger ones and not make the same mistakes that they would make growing up. It's sort of the Dave Thomas back to me. You give back to the people that I'm giving you at that time and sort of help them be more successful. So we started acquiring emerging brands and legacy brands. We have seven announced today. Um, by the end of this year, there'll be 12 announced. Wow. Um, and we'll be franchising all 12 of them by the middle of next year. Um, but our goal is, is to sell the American dream, to allow people an opportunity to build their wealth by doing something they love with people that believe in them and want to make them successful. And our job and our whole mantra is we have to make our franchisees successful. We have to make them, uh, we want to make them millionaires and over and over again. And that's such a big deal for me because, I mean, at Jimmy, uh, you'll hear Jimmy say it all the time, how many millionaires he created. Yeah. Um, and he did. He created a ton of them, an absolute ton. And I was lucky enough that he can say that he made me a millionaire. But I want to provide that same level of opportunity for everyone. So we took it a step farther. If you work for any of my brands, any of them, for three years, you can get a franchise and not pay royalty for two years. Wow. And that's my gift to make sure they can have their first step in trying to be a, become a millionaire. Um, I want that American dream to follow. And if they're great operators and they work for me for three years, I know sure as hell that when they open up their restaurant, mm-hmm. they're going to run it better than they ran their own with me. And if they were still there after three years, they did a good job. They're going to be successful. And then I can help them continue to grow. How did you select the brands that you believe in? So the brands that we sort of found have to have a white space, have to have craveable food, obviously, and that's in the name, Mm -hmm. um, but have to have either a giant or white space that I can go and be the number two guy. So for example, with Wing and On, there's a lot of wing players, but there's one giant. You know, Wingstop is the giant. Everybody can say that. They've done all the work. They've educated people on wings at home, delivered. They've done all the hard work. Now you just got to go be number two. How do you be number two? Have a better product, have something that's craveable and get it in the hands and then take them out because you're the better option. Hmm. No different than what Jimmy John's was. Subway sucked. Yeah. Still sucks. (laughs) And I appreciate the honesty. (laughs) And Jimmy John's was able to be the number two sandwich. Yeah. You know, and then we offered something different. We delivered it and we were faster. So we became convenient to everyone and that allowed us to be the number two sandwich concept number two is great it's worth billions of dollars yeah you know in this industry it's you don't have to be number one all the time so find something that's out there that's exciting that people like and then just find a way to do it better but the food's got to be key i've never heard that perspective to to go after number two it's it's very now that you say it it's very smart it's a very smart way to look at it um because once you get there you already know that the quality that you provide, the hospitality mm-hmm. that you provide, and everything that you provide is going to put you over the edge. Correct. Huge news. Toast, our primary technology partner at our barbecue restaurants in San Diego, and the primary technology partner of so many of the guests that we have on this show, have announced they are expanding their business offerings with Google. 
So now if you search on Google Maps and you sign up for Toast Tables or Toast Waitlist, you will have the opportunity to improve the digital hospitality experience of the guest, allow them to book through the maps into the Toast Reservation system. One of the biggest difficulties that restaurant guests have is when they search for your restaurant and they want a table, they do not have an easy solution to book a table or to get on a wait list. This is huge news for the restaurant industry, huge news for guests and huge news for you, the restaurant owner. Check out Toast Tables today and find out the new integrated solution that they have. This is something that we've wanted for a long time. How do you integrate reservations, wait lists into your point of sale? Toast has done it, check it out. Tell me about hospitality. For me, it's something that it's in our DNA. It's something that we see everywhere in the world around us. We realize that every business is in the hospitality business. People just don't know it. Um, you talked about that no one travels as much as you do and that actually TSA agents know your name. Mm -hmm. Explain to the audience how that came to be and why that's important when you're looking at the greater scope of how a man lives his life. So I think in the world, hospitality is the most important thing in no matter what you do and how you treat others, how you interact with people. It's our job on this to be as nice and kind to everybody as you want them to be to you. And if you don't want them to be kind to you, then you're a jackass. You know, there's no reason for you. If you don't want people to be nice to you, then something's wrong with you. Yeah. Um, and so I live my life with wanting to be as nice to everyone that I ever come and encounter with because I never know what that person's bad day may be or what they st they're struggling with or what their issues are. It's my job to make sure I say thank you or, you know, yes, ma'am or yes, sir. And people who are younger than me or older than me to the day, I still use ma'am and sir when I address people because it's the right way to talk. And there's nothing wrong with that. And that's the culture that if you look at the company that does it best right now, Chick-fil-A, and why is Chick-fil-A doing what it does? Their food is good, not $8.8 .8 million good <laughs> per unit, but, per, per but unit. good. It's, it's amazing. But what's so awesome about them and why people continue to go is the fact that they are taken care of and they may are left may feeling special and they're left with this glow of just feeling good when you leave. And so when I got into the industry, Jimmy John had a saying, you know, you want to smack them on the, say hello, greet them with a grown real greeting. And then when you walk out, you want to smack them on the ass when they walk out. So they feel that little chill and, <laughs> you know, so they remember to come back and my team will yell at me because I use it still to this day. They're like, you can't say that. I'm like, but it's exactly what you want to have happen. There's nothing better about that is you want them to know you truly appreciate them. Yes. And so I use that all the time. So as you asked, I fly every week between six and seven in the morning. I go through TSA at O'Hare. Um, and as I go in, I started to know the flight attendant, the flight crews and TSA and everybody. And so going through, I started asking their name, asking about their families, asking about them as I was standing in line. And just because I wanted to know, I wanted to, hey, make them life because I'm watching everybody else yell at them. Yeah. And started to get to know them heard about weddings, heard about grandkids that were born, stuff like that. And I started bringing gifts when I knew that they had special events to the TSA people. And as just because I thought how great it was, he told me it was special, nothing special, give him a little 
you know, baby gift and toy and say, Hey, make sure this is from you when you give it to them. Um, and you know, and because of that, I flew with my family and one of the TSA people who worked in different shift and came up and told my mom, you know, uh, your son is the nicest person that walks through here because he always asks us about us, you know, no matter what, how's your day? What, you know, nice to meet you. Thank you. And he goes, nobody does that. Nobody takes the time to ask us about us. We're all just here to be sort of yelled at and sort of bad people. And he goes, and he makes us feel like we're real. And that's so important to me. And it's what I do with my staff. It's what I do with the people that work in the restaurants. I want to know about them. I want them to know that I care about every aspect of them. I mean, I find out things that I should never know about people in my job ever. (laughs) And I mean, there's you know, Xbox is being delivered. There's, you know, I bought a car for one individual um, that couldn't afford a down payment. I was on her. I've been on leases for apartments, you know, and stuff like that. And it's all bad decisions and things I probably never tell people to do, but it's just the way I am. And I learned that. And again, I learned that young because my dad would always take care of people. I saw it again with Jimmy always wanting to take care of people. And if you're lucky enough to have anything in life you can't take it with you and so why not make somebody else's day better than what your day is why not take that split second just to give them something that they can never afford or never do on their own because you can and i take it for granted at times they don't and it's so remarkable to me when that can happen so we gave away operator of the year at gingas last year and this individual could not afford to pay medical bills could not afford to do other things and you know and the gift was hey we're going to give an mvp belt and you know that was what we're going to do so right before knowing who we were giving it to i said that's not good enough and they're like okay what do you want to do i said let's give five thousand dollars to her from the company and as we're going going through the presentation and all that i'm like shit that ain't good enough either and all you know and just me being me, uh, ended up giving her another 5000 personally. So she walked out with $10,000 because wow. I wanted her to clean her debt. Yeah. And so she could afford then to buy the car that she wanted and stuff like that because she couldn't get her car fixed and couldn't get to work. And, you know, we're sitting there and afterwards, um, my chief financial officer looked at me and said, you do realize you just gave away $10,000. I'm like, no, I gave away 5000 <laughs> from the company. Yeah. I gave away the five. It's all good. <laughs> You know, but that's, again, she couldn't afford it. And they work so hard that they should not be living like that. And it's, you know, pay them more, make them feel more, give them, let them be operating partners, let them earn the way you earn. Um, and that's something Jimmy was great at. So Jimmy had a bonus program where he allowed you to be a true owner operator. You could earn up to 20% of the profit of the restaurant and bonus. And we were making so much money per store. I mean, it was realistically, they could make sixty to $100,000 a year in bonus. Wow. You know, we were only paying them at that time, thirty to 35000 So it was big money. And, you know, but he always been in the head. If you treat them the way that they're their operating partner, they'll perform so much more for you because mm-hmm. then it's theirs. And it worked. And because of that, we grew. And that just sort of continued to stay with me forever. And that if you take care of the people that work for you and take care of the people that you work with, they'll do anything for you. And nothing will stop them because they are actually being treated like they care. Why do you spend so much of your time 
not just for Dave, because you made a promise to him that you would give back, but why is it important for you to come to events like this? I know you have a restaurant that is opening, I believe today? Or today. Today, and you wanted to be there, but you came and made a decision to be here in Texas and Austin for Restaurant 365. You're gonna be on a panel tomorrow. Um, why is it important for you to do things like that? Because there's so many people that don't are afraid to ask questions or afraid to email and all that. And if you can give them a piece of advice, or help them to achieve something better and make their company more successful, I need to help them do so. I, I've been lucky and been so fortunate to have so many great mentors in this industry that what I've learned from others should not be just kept to me for my own good. It should be kept to everybody to help themselves and to learn. So if I can help one person solve a problem that they're facing, then this trip was worth it 10 times over. And I just feel that's what I should do. Um, I'm lucky. Will you ever retire? Never. <laughs> My grandfather, it's it's funny because someone's people have asked me, you know, what does retirement mean? And I watched my grandfather. I was fortunate. I never met my father. My grandfather raised me, but I watched him. And for him, retirement meant stop that he would have to stop thinking, stop developing, stop learning. It wasn't work. He never considered anything he was doing work. He was always doing something for you. What do you see yourself doing into the future? What's going to make you happy to look back? So what has always made me happy is the looking back and seeing the people that I worked with and the people that I led go on to bigger and better things. So I, one of my guys that I talk to regularly still from the Jimmy John's days sort of gave me a coaching tree of everyone that I have and where they are today. And oh, that was sort cool. of the coolest thing, gift I've ever been given to see all these people that were GMs or assistants and all this. So <laughs> wow. now be X in different companies and where they are, how many stores they own and all that. And that was, a, that's, that was what I want to see. That's what I want to do. I want to continue to see that happen over and over again. I don't care if somebody leaves my company as long as they leave my company for something better. And I can't provide that next step for everybody. So they're going to have to leave some of them. And it's okay as long as it's the next step in their career so they can go on to something better. That's what my job is, is to make sure they get to their next level, whatever that level may be. And that, that's what I take the greatest pride in. And that's what I want to see and will continue to do until the day that I can't do something. That's great. So every single week on Wednesday and on Friday on the social audio app Clubhouse, we meet so that you, the listener, someone that's listening to this show, if you're watching on YouTube, uh, we're grateful. But you got to stay curious that brought you to the podcast that brings you to a conference that makes you open up a book then you have to get involved so come on stage share your story tell us about your restaurant tell us about what you're building if you're a creator in the space let us know if you're in sales if you're in marketing if you're in technology all of these things are important we have digital hospitality leaders from all over the globe that meet so every wednesday every friday 10 a.m on the social audio app uh, we also want to give a social shout out today's social shout out is going to go to my team rising tides creative um, they don't get enough love, but they're always putting in the hard work behind the scenes with Sean, Aaron, Andrew. Um, I'm grateful that we get to go all over the United States, um, hopefully internationally soon, but to be able to share stories like this. Who on your team would you like to give a shout out? This is an entrepreneur. So, so I mean, right now I'd like to give the shout out to the team opening the restaurant. So <laughs> Beautiful. So, I mean, that entire team has busted their butt because I sort of made them get it open before the end of the month. <laughs> so All gas, no breaks? Yeah, this one was bad. So, and they pulled it together. So that entire team, starting with Lori and Juan 
and um, them who have really shine and Cassie and list goes on and on and Chef Robert who's actually there in place of me today serving the first ever Poke Bowl that we served. I mean, so where's the location? So we're that one is in Oak Brook, Illinois. Okay. Um, so it's a dual branded space where we have Bud Long and our first ever Lucky Cat Poke Company opening. Amazing. Um, with it was important because we have 55 of them opening by the end of September. 55? Yeah. So it's going to be actually Wait, be the a, first one? The first one just opened. And you're going to open 55? Yeah. So the first one is for true. <laughs> what? <laughs> true brick and mortar. The other 55 will be dark kitchens and okay. our Asian restaurants. Amazing. So it will be exciting. Again, anything to dark kitchens get a bad name. Yes. Horrible name. But if they're your dark kitchens. Yes. It's a wonderful way to build revenue and help pay the GNA expenses of the restaurant if you do them right. And so many of us need that because rents are high, For labor's sure. high. If you can go and add ten to twelve thousand dollars a week with other brands and not have to add any more labor, why wouldn't you do it? Yeah. You know, and I'll shout out to Doghouse and Andre yes. and all them. They Andre's have, amazing. Andre's done a massively heavy lift to get his stores and all that. And the AEVs are up because of the back of the house because of the yep. dark kitchen so taking a sort of notch from him and what he's done we're going to do it with our brands that's incredible yeah we've been fortunate to have andre as well as uh jeff from wow Bow. yeah so so and that goes back to having a group of people you can rely on and help yep i mean jeff and andre and troy and all of them and you know big chicken group and sam and josh all of them over the last couple of years we've all sort of developed this back to that what Dave had back then, we're yeah. doing it again, and that's our group. And we're anything that any of us need, we're there for. Anything that we can help promote, we do. Um, and without them sort of pushing me or us pushing them, we probably wouldn't have gotten to the point we did so fast. That's awesome. So we're going to ask you a couple quick smartphone storytelling questions. Are you an Android user or a smart or an iPhone user? iPhone. Latest version or always always the latest version because the battery <laughs> sucks after the new one comes out. There's right. something about that damn phone. The second the new phone gets announced, that just tanks. Do you do you prefer photos or videos? Uh, photos. Photos. Do you prefer text or email? Text. Uh, email or Slack. I just started using Slack, so still email. Still email. Uh, do you prefer? How do you listen to music? Uh, through the uh, the iMusic. iMusic, uh -huh. okay. Um, and what's your favorite app that you use on the phone? Uh, favorite app that I use on the phone. Well, honestly, I don't know if I have one. So, if I had to say non-work-related app, it would be EA Soccer. Okay. That I play, that I compete <laughs> with my kids on. That's probably my favorite one. How many kids do you have? Two, two boys, sophomore in college, and a sophomore in high school. Are they going to be in the business? Uh, if I had to guess right now, <laughs> the older one, yes. The younger one, no. The younger one, no. Great. Um, well, we. one thing I do want to find out is why is it important for you on a personal branding side to go on to podcasts, to go on stage, to create content for LinkedIn? Why do you find that important? Because it's my opportunity to give back, to make sure that I address things that are being out there in the industry that I either agree with or disagree with that I don't want to get traction. So the biggest one that I'm against is the uh, robotic elimination of hospitality in the front of the house. 
So I don't want that trend to last and mm -hmm. I want to sort of kill it. Um, and so I'm very, very vocal when I start seeing people start raving about, oh, I was able to lower my labor and put all these kiosks when there's no interaction and taking yeah. away that hospitality. There's a place for kiosks. There's a place for all of it. But don't like don't walk in and that's all you see. So walked into Steak and Shake. Perfect example. Used to have order takers used to like the experience. They weren't mm -hmm. great, but they were there. They were a part of the experience. Walked in with my family the other night and there was no waitress staff at all. Yeah. And all I had to do was order from a kiosk. I promise you, they lost out on five milkshakes. They Probably. lost out on all this other thing, even though it said, nope, don't need that. You know, nope, you don't need that. I was able to hit the button. It's a lot harder to tell someone no. You don't miss out on that experience. So I'm very vocal on stuff that I want to go and not go. And I'll, I think that's part of my job. It's part of what I do. Um, and I also do it because I want people to know that there are people in this industry that truly want hospitality to sort of be the focal point and that good food and great hospitality are the way to, it should work. Um, and I don't want that loss. So I'm that just what I like to do. Um, I applaud you for doing it. We put on the show to have more founders out there telling stories. Um, it's important. Uh, special thanks to Restaurant 365 for hosting this incredible event. They have upcoming restaurant transformation tour events in Chicago as well as New York. Um, you can find out more about them on Restaurant 365's website. Uh, if you want to connect with me, it's at Sean P. Walchef, S-H-A-W-N-P-W-A-L-C-H-E-F. That is on all the platforms. Greg, how can people get in touch with you? So Greg at CraveworthyBrands.com. Um, I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Instagram now. I found yes, out. You're on Instagram. Um, 100%. And uh, Twitter. So find us any which way. You're oh, on X. X. Yes. As of last <laughs> as week, of, X. Yeah, as of last week. Well, thank you, Greg. We appreciate it. And uh, we're grateful that uh, of all the work that you do and that you're continuing to give back. Well, thank you for having me. Um, Absolutely. This is fun. Thank you for listening to Restaurant Influencers. The best way that you can help us with the show is to subscribe and write a review. We love the opportunity to connect with you no matter where you are on the globe, no matter what restaurant you are running. Please send us a DM on social at Sean P. Walchef. If you are interested in toast, if you want to improve your digital hospitality, please send me a DM. I will get you in touch with a local toast representative. We appreciate you listening to this show. The best way that you can help this show is share it with a friend and we will catch you all next week or we will see you on one of the digital playgrounds that we call social media.